You know, they say when a pit bull bites, it just grabs a hold of something and can't let go. And, and when I get my eyes focused on something, I just can't let it go. My mom's here in the front row. She can attest to this. I've been doing this my whole life. And not too long ago, a couple years back, I got convinced that I needed to get into road biking. There's nothing funny about that. But I was convinced that I needed to get into road cycling. And, and, and because I just have this thing about me, I couldn't just go to Walmart and buy a bike. I got, like, into it. And, and again, I didn't have a bike, but I would watch videos about bikes. I would, I would study about bikes. I'd, I'd be laying in the bed at night just focused and enamored on what kind of carbon fiber forks were going to be <laughs> on my new bike. And Amanda will just look at me and like, you are so weird. And I'm like, no, this one is going to be so streamlined. It's going to be, I'm going to go fast. I don't ride bikes. Obviously, no. It's... And so I finally, after like two or three years of looking and, and figuring out and finding the deal and, and, and just, just focused on this bike and looking at these bikes and every down moment, I'm just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Is it going to be the giant? Is it going to be the, the, the Shimano? I don't know. And, and I finally buy a way too nice of a bike. And and the bike shows up at my house, and I get it, and I had the wheels are there, and I got the shoes that I don't know how to clip in, and I buy all the spandex, and... <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a good look, but... But I get all the stuff, and then I get on the bike, and I realize at that very moment, it is just a bike. <laughs> And I'm not really good at riding bikes. It is extremely painful. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid and I flew through the neighborhood, I wasn't 290 pounds. Like, it was different then. And so now I'm, I, I've called my friend Taylor, and he is a cyclist, and he's meeting me. And he's like, yeah, dude, I've been doing like 15 miles, and then, you know, we'll do our 10, and then I've got 30 miles back to my car. Like, you, <laughs> five miles in, I was dying. And, and so I get home, and I'm looking at this stupid bike, <laughs> paid more for it than my first car, and I'm going, what am I going to do now? I'm so committed to the bike, but, but I hate it. <laughs> I don't even like it. It's not what I thought it would be. It's not what, what I thought would fulfill me. It's not what I thought was going was gonna to bring me joy and excitement. It's just... A bike. And so I, I, I thought about this week as I thought about this message where, where we're talking about beholding and looking at Jesus. Because in the scriptures, we have this clear picture that, that, that we need to be beholding something. And, and what I was doing is I was beholding a bike. But when we behold the wrong thing, it lets us down every time, right? When, when, we, when we catch or let our eyes be set upon, when we, when we just, just commit to looking at, at, the, at the wrong thing, at some level or another, we're going to arrive at the same moment where we realize it's just a thing. And, and, and as we get into this week of, of, of closing the Advent and coming toward the, the celebration of the incarnation of Jesus, we have to 
pause for a moment and ask the question this coming week, what are we looking for? Because as I started to dig into some statistics, and, and here, I don't want to offend anybody, but get ready. <laughs> I started looking, what are we as a culture, what are we looking for this time of year? So I threw up the statistic of gifts slash materialism. And I said, how much money will be spent on Christmas presents this Christmas year? I've been asking people this question. I won't open it up to the whole room because I'd like to have dinner tonight. But how much money will Americans spend on Christmas this year? Some say, you know, it's 330 million of us in the country. $729 billion will be spent on gifts this Christmas. Now, I don't make, you want to make you feel bad, but that's a lot of money. And, and, and so are we wrong for buying Christmas presents? Absolutely not. But, but could it be that we're looking to gifts and stuff to fill something? Possibly. I'm not going to give you a lecture on drinking today, but they say the average American doubles their alcoholic consumption in the month of December. Widely accepted statistic. Could it be that we're looking to the wrong thing to give us joy and hope? Let's talk about food. There will be 22 million turkeys consumed this holiday season. That feels appropriate. <laughs> How many shrimp will be consumed? This one's going to blow your mind. I don't even know why. It's like it was the first thing that came up, shrimp. I guess there's a lot of shrimp cocktail. 7.9 billion shrimp will be consumed by Americans in the month of December. 7.9 billion. That's 22 shrimp per person. And my wife is allergic, so I've got to go 44. <laughs> there will be 1.7 billion candy canes eaten this December. And I can't find how much banana pudding, but I got to think it's high. <laughs> Somebody asked me, I said, is that a Christmas thing? I said, well, it should be. For sure. We're going to gather people, and I don't have any statistics for fights, but I'm sure that one's high as well. Somebody said amen. <laughs> We've already started. <laughs> but the truth is, is we have this commitment to, it's going to be right this year. We're going to have just the perfect assembly of the family, and, this, and you're going to sit here and here and here, and then it just explodes because, you know, the wild card uncle. I think that's me. <laughs> but, 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 the, but we look to all these things to kind of give us hope and excitement and, and, and fun and, and fulfillment. We, we look in the month of December to, to everything and anything that can, that can give us that thing we've all been looking for. That can satisfy, that, that, can, that, can, that can motivate a, a joy in us. And yet, 
like Bono says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. There's just not enough things to buy, places to go, things to consume that will give you what your soul is longing for this holiday season. There's, there's, there's not a, a sufficient amount of fill in the blank that's going to that's gonna bring you to this place of satisfaction. And, and the, the bill of goods that's been sold to us as Americans is that if we just do X, Y, and Z, then all of a sudden it'll, it'll, it'll come together. All of a sudden it'll feel right. And we've got to, to refocus and reorient our, our lives like the, like the saints of old to, to behold and look upon that which will actually give us hope, healing, satisfaction, and life. And so I don't want you to check out if you're like, well, I'm already saved. That's not the point. The point is this week, we all as saints of God get to make a decision to, to look and focus and, 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 and give our heart to the things of this world or the person of Jesus. One of which will bring hope and life and healing and the other will leave us frustrated and mad and angry and it just didn't, it never goes the right way and I'm stuffed with shrimp. <laughs> so church, we, we find ourselves at the kind of end of this, this sermon series, Angles of the Advent. I committed to not mess that up. Has anybody found any favor this week coming off of last week's message? I love it. And so we, 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 we get to this moment and we, and we kind of go, all right, who's the last characters? Who's the people we haven't talked about yet? What are, what's the, what's the, the angle that we're going to look at this week? And, I, and I, I've kind of given away, spoiled the ending because all of these people that we're going to look at today have the same common denominator. They were watching for Jesus. And spoiler alert, they saw him. And so I, I, I encourage you to go, hey, let me see some of this with new eyes. Some of this might sound familiar. You're going, if he's talking about the wise men, I'm checking out. We are. <laughs> but what if God wants to show us something today? about how not that, that we need to be ashamed of shrimp cocktail this you know, Thursday night, or, but how we can look upon this week with fresh lenses in order to, to captivate our soul in such a way as to propel us toward the person of Jesus and then know that when we pursue him, he will let us see him. That he's not hiding behind some cloak of mystery. Jesus is saying, hey, I've shown you through the ages where I'll be and when I'll be there. And if you'll only open up your eyes and look, you will see me. You will touch me. You will experience me. That is the message of Anna, Simeon, and the wise men. And that is the angle of the advent we're going to explore today. If they've never heard of the first two, I don't know what to say. You should read your Bible. <laughs> too far, too far. I jacked up on coffee. 
Anna is a prophetess. It's recorded in Luke 2, 36 and 38. It says this, Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And in that instant, she's talking about the instant that happened that just preceded this. We're going to get there in a minute. She gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him, capital H, Jesus, to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. You see, Anna and Simeon are the two people who after the, the, the eight days of, 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 of time had passed, so, so Jesus is born, it's Jewish tradition that, that eight days later he has to be brought to Jerusalem, that, that he's going to be brought to the temple, that he's going to be uh, uh, purified, that he's going to be uh, circumcised, and, and that's, that's Jewish law. And so as everything is happening, as everything is unfolding, eight days after Jesus shows up on the scene, He's brought exactly where he's expected to be. And in the midst of all the religious people, in the midst of all the religious planning, in the midst of all the religious activity, there was an old prophetess named Anna that that was watching, that was praying, that was serving, that was was giving her life away and, 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 and patiently, prayerfully fasting And when she saw Jesus show up, it brought fulfillment and hope to her life. And she gave thanks and then spoke of him everywhere she went. It it, it, it says if all of a sudden she found this fulfillment, she found this this peace of life that she had been waiting for, that that she had been a a widow for years and, and she never left the temple, then all of a sudden it all made sense because a baby walked in and she got to encounter the living God. And it didn't just, it wasn't just a moment where she said, oh, this is cool. It shaped what she said and, and how she spoke going forward, it changed everything about her. It, 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 it gave resolution. It gave her what she was looking for. And so Anna is the first, and we're kind of going backwards because Simeon, we're going to back up now. Simeon is the next guy that, that we get to see that, that is, is another, just is this amazing story in this quick piece. And it says, and behold... There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the faces of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at the things which were spoken 
of him. So now we have Simeon, this just and devout man who had, who had prepared himself to see what God had promised, that, that God said he was going to get to see Jesus. He was going to get to see the, the consolation of Israel. He was going to get to see the fulfillment of God's promises. And he was committed to, to not just hear the promise, but he wanted it. And so he was waiting. He was intentional. He was purposeful. He set his eyes at the temple. He knew when to be there, and he knew what to look for. And so all of a sudden, everything, literally the stars align, and, and he gets to, to walk in, and he sees the, the infant Jesus face to face. In the midst of a room of a bunch of people, probably thousands of people around that, that, that are hustling and bustling and doing the religious thing, this man, his world stops as he looks upon the person of Jesus. And the only reason he gets to see him and behold him, why? Is because he's looking for him. He's not there to fulfill his religious obligations. He's not there to just do his duty. He's there to see Jesus in church, it begs the question, are you coming to church? Are you living the Christian life for a purpose other than seeing Jesus? Because if so, it is possible to live this Christian life, to, to be a part of the church, to, to come and be a part of all this and miss Jesus in the process. And let's just not do that. I don't want it to be said of me that I was so committed to my religious duties that I missed Jesus in the room. Because to, to behold him changes everything. To, to look at him and to, to see him, to, to experience him, is, is to change everything. Beloved, the, before I met Jesus and after, everything changed. When we, when we behold him and, and he sets us free and he changes us, it changes us. And so as we get to, to walk into this week of, of Christmas and we get to walk toward the, 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 this, this Friday night and, and, and Saturday, do we, do we look to the right thing? Are we walking in expecting, believing that we're going to behold him or are we just worried about getting everything to line up right? Because I can assure you this, something about the plans is going to go wrong, right? Something about the dinner party is not going to cook right. Or... But Jesus never disappoints. And when we get to, to look upon him and experience him and, and behold him, then all of a sudden, life starts to make sense. And like Simeon, all of a sudden, everything starts to come into vision. And he goes, oh, God's promise is true. And even in the midst of this crazy season, God's presence will bring peace, stability, and focus. Now, let's talk about the wise men. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, this one, because it's on flannel graphs everywhere, six people, it's cool, can easily be overlooked. You know, I, I, I think it's so interesting. You know, we've all got our ideas. We've all got kind of, you know, well, I just imagine it happened just like this. And we see it all, you know, everybody, they show up and he's in the, you know, in the manger still. It's like, I, I, this took some time. The star lines up. Everything kind of comes into place. And these magi, again, these aren't like Christian scientists. These guys are, are magi. They're 900 miles away. And they have been so enamored with studying different books and different, and, and they start studying things and they realize that, that when this all these things in the sky. These are men that watch the sky. They study the sky. They see. And when all this happens in that set of stars, in that sequence, in that place, when that happens, they are sure that it is going to be the fulfillment of something incredible, that, 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 that something out of this world is going to be happening. I have to believe, like, there's no Google. There's no, no FaceTime. There's no fa you know, Facebook Live. Like, like they were watching the stars and they had never, I don't, you, you don't get the impression that they're from there. These are men from the east. And, 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 and so all of a sudden, they, they've, they've been studying stars alone. And, and it's not like they had, you know, a, a fast track, you know, train service. It's not like they had, you know, oh, well, we, we, we're scientists, we've got to get endowment, we've got this helicopter, we're going to fly 900 miles. 900 miles on horseback or camels is a different vibe. I mean, think about it. What's 900 miles from here? Washington, D.C. is 599 miles from here. New York City, Manhattan is 600, wrong, 803 miles from here. San Antonio, Texas is 781 miles from this very spot. Miami, Florida is 806 miles from this stage. Washington, again, 599. 900 miles is like looking across the country and deciding you're going to go, you know, out to, out, you know, Wherever I tried so hard, I'm Googling, what is 900 miles? And they gave me all that. So I don't know what city is exactly 900 from here, but it's far. You know, go to Miami and then go 100 miles out into the ocean. That's, that's where we're talking. Not in a car, not on a motorcycle, but on a camel, on a horse. Beloved, these people were so committed to see, to experience, to, to touch what was happening on the other end of that star, that they watched it happen in the air, and they committed to a journey that was smelly, that was hard, that was, I'm sure, dangerous, that was difficult. You know, I, I get worried sometimes. I'm like, man, we're, we're in fear of people are traveling too far. I'm like, 
Well, nobody's traveling 900 miles on horseback to get here. I mean, these guys were committed to see Jesus. They were watching to see Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. And so they did whatever it took. They, they watched the skies. They, they saw the thing happen. And then they got so committed to that that they loaded up their things. They brought their gifts. They took off on a, on a dirty, dusty, difficult journey across a faraway land, committed to see him. You see, their focus, even though they were magi, they, 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 you know, they weren't saved at that point, but something in them was drawn to come and get eyes on the king. And it's so easy for me to get messed up in this season, to get, to get confused in seasons like this, to get, to get focused on carbon fiber bike spokes. I'm sure you don't have that problem. But I'm just encouraging and exhorting us this time of year to, to, to glean something from the wise men. To, to let something get in us that, that motivates us to go, hey, no matter what it takes, no matter what the cost, no matter how difficult the journey, no matter what it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take from me, I'm going to see Jesus this Christmas. Come on. <laughs> That's a golf clap. Yeah, it's very good, Tiger. Sorry. But what would it take for us to go to that extent? What, and I'm asking myself that question this evening. What would it take, Ian, for, for me to get so committed, so excited to, to see him that I'd be willing to, to take off on that, kind of dirt, on that kind of journey? How far out of our daily life are we willing to go to have an encounter with Jesus? And so it begs this question, what are we looking for? What are we focused on? There's no shortage of distractions or lack of competition for your attention in this holiday season. But if we can shift our focus in the right direction, we have the chance to see a miraculous thing happen. When we start to behold him, we get to experience something out of this world. And when they finally arrived, the wise men in Matthew 2, 11, and when they had come into the house, they saw a young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. You see, they responded to this to this scene of Jesus, right? We got to get it out of our head. It doesn't say that he, they showed up and went into the manger. It says they went into a house, right? He, they didn't show up and, and, and on the scene. You know, you're, some of you are like, your head is exploding. You're like, what? The, the movie lied to me. But <laughs> this, is, this, is, this took time. He's now a child. He's not a baby anymore. But, it, but it's, the story still stands. They've come to, to behold the incarnate Jesus. And they come and they bring worship and gifts. And so the question is, should we go out and get these exact same gifts? 
Should we go out and buy gold and frankincense and myrrh and somehow kind of bring those to Jesus? I don't think so. I think they are symbolic, though. You see, they bring gold to the person of Jesus because gold is the metal of kings and Jesus is the king of kings. They bring frankincense because frankincense is a temple fragrance symbolizing Jesus as, as the high priest. And then they bring myrrh because myrrh is a common burial spice used to anoint the body. And Jesus was born to show us how to live and to die so we could live. And so as a child, they bring these prophetic gifts. I, I, I believe it's unbeknownst to them. But they bring this, this prophetic story right in front of us as they lay these gifts at a child's feet. And surely he has no idea why. And, and all of a sudden, we 2,000 years later, standing in a church, get to behold the king, recognizing that he is the fulfillment of being the great king, the great high priest, and the great sacrifice. That he is the worthy gift, that he is the one who changes everything when we set our eyes upon him. That he is the fulfillment of all things, that he is the satisfaction of all things, and that he is the greatest gift we've ever been given. These gifts are less about what he's been given and more about what he gives to us. These wise men found what they were looking for. They traveled a distant journey, and they got it. When we look at the right places this holiday season, some places are going to give us emptiness. They're going to give us regret. They're going to give you buyer's remorse, like my bike. But other places are going to fill your life to overflowing. Other places, when we look to him, when we see him, when we behold him, when we go out of our way, when we get focused, when we fast and we pray, when we get committed and faithful and we stay, all of these pictures are pictures of people who, who set their eyes to see him and what happened, they saw him. And it's my hope and prayer that this Christmas, we get to behold the person of Jesus, and he gets to start changing everything. So I've asked the band to come back up. As we close today, in an effort to reorient our hearts this Christmas, I thought, what better way than to partake of communion together? to remember the worthy sacrifice that has been made so we can celebrate like this. If you didn't get one of your communion cups, just raise your hand. The ushers will come to you and find you and bring you a basket. See, beloved, as we remember the, the babe, we shouldn't remember him without the cross. Because those gifts that were laid before him, he's 
He's the king, the high priest, and the sacrifice. And about 33 years after that moment, maybe 30 years or so, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 26 says, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night he was betrayed, he took bread. We don't have bread. We have this space food. he took the bread which represents his body and he gave thanks and he broke it and he said take and eat for this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me partake together, church. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Beloved, it's with eyes fixed on Jesus, the worthy lamb, the babe that came, the son of God, that we move toward this Christmas season, rejoicing in the one thing that will give us life and hope, fulfillment and satisfaction. Let's pray together and then we'll close in worship today. Father, we love you. We honor you. We remember you. We remember that you came for us. We remember that that you died for us. We remember that, that you took our place. We remember, God, that nothing in this world will satisfy. Nothing in this world will fulfill nothing but you. So we invite you, God, to come and have your way. Set our eyes upon you this week because we want to behold you. In Jesus' name, amen, church? Let's worship together.
just you're dismissed this morning.